Welcome to another episode of the Eric Crocker Show. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back. And today we're getting into some fantasy football talk. You know, and I start to look at the 49ers roster and how it's constructed. And Brandon Ayuk ended up being the leading receiver, going over 1,000 yards last season. Will that continue? Or should you trim more towards Debo Samuel? George Kittle, can he continue his hot streak? And you got the two running backs, Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey. Who should be drafted where? What's the better value? And 49 quarterback position, Brock Purdy, Trey Lance. Uh, we're going to get into all that and more. But first, I definitely want to say thank you to everybody that's tuning in live right now on this morning. Subscribe to this video. And make sure you subscribe to this video right now. Hit the like button, all that good stuff. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I had a busy weekend. We had uh, my birthday on Saturday. My daughter, who her birthday is actually not, my daughter Pickle, her birthday is not until the 31st, but her sister's birthday is the 26th, which is what, Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend. And... It's always a weird kind of dynamic planning out their birthdays and stuff. So we actually did my daughter Pickle's birthday uh, yesterday. So that was good. Fun stuff. Had a lot of uh, fun, you know, some of the homies over, the family over, all that good stuff out here in Southeast Arkansas. Uh, I hope everybody else is doing well and better than me because, uh, you know, I got my Lakers uniform in the background right now and they are on the verge of getting swept. I I think watching the Celtics be on the verge of getting swept softens the blow just a little bit, but uh, it's tough. It's tough watching your team just get get hammered. All right. Uh, of course, this show is sponsored and powered by Underdog Fantasy. All right, underdogfantasy.com. I've been playing a lot of Underdog Fantasy during these playoffs, and gosh, I'm getting, I'm getting close. I think yesterday if the game was closer, Jalen Brown probably would have went over and out of, you know, collected me $100. All right, so you can get in on all that stuff as well by – Going to underdogfantasy.com or downloading the Underdog Fantasy app and using promo code Crocky. They'll match your deposit up to $100. All right, so go make you some money. All right, y'all. The, the, the fantasy football stuff is not my biggest thing. I love doing Underdog Fantasy because it's more of a daily fantasy. But if I am going to start talking fantasy football, I, I can't do it alone. I always have to bring a person on. All right. And I don't think there's any better person to bring on to talk fantasy football, especially in the 49ers community, than my guy, Jason Aponte. Yes, sir. What's up, bro? How are you doing this morning? I'm good, man. Like I told you, I'm a little bit, I'm in a reflective mode right now. You wanted to start talking about basketball and Carmelo Anthony retired today. I mean, he, he wasn't playing this past year, so... Retirement is subjective, but the video that he put out today kind of put it in perspective. And uh, yeah, it's just we're getting to that age crack where our favorite players are now moving on. And then it's going to turn into a point where the new players are going to be like the same age as our kids. And we're just like at that like turning point right now. So it's a little, you know, that's just basketball today. You talked about Carmelo Anthony and Allen Iverson being two of your favorite players. And those are two of my favorite players ever. And it was fun kind of watching them play together for a little bit. Obviously, that wasn't like AI's prime, prime. Mm-hmm. But Iverson, man, I mean, just watching him come into the NBA, do change the game for, for me, at least where I was from. And, you know, there was – that was coming off the heels of Michael Jordan, you know, being older. Obviously, that same year, 1996, you had uh, Kobe Bryant that was drafted. Shoot, guys like Pedro Stilakovich, who I watched a lot of him because, you know, he was a Sacramento King. Uh, Steve Nash. I mean, you know that uh, that class was just ridiculously loaded. Ninety six, probably best 
basketball class ever. Now, the, the LeBron, Melo, Dwayne Wade, I think that class was good as well. But 96, I mean, in my opinion, that's the best basketball. Iverson, Kobe, Ray Allen. I mean, these are all Hall of Fame. Jermaine O'Neal. Right? Like, Jermaine O'Neal. Like, and if you go through, you're probably going to find a bunch more. Like, uh, um. Abdul Rahim um from yeah. from the Grizzlies like that that slam cover Steve Nash that slam cover like with all of them like on that one cover like it's insane man to think about that so like yeah you know again it's just I'm starting to feel old man like that's it like all my guys are going now and now I have to start looking at these newer guys but yeah man and I'm sorry about your Lakers man that kind of sucks Denver's I just better I'll... than them Denver, yeah. Denver, so you know what I wouldn't even say Denver's just better than them I would say their player that's playing the best right now Murray it's just better than what the Lakers have to offer. Mm-hmm. And so far, really throughout three games, he has been the difference. What he's able, been able to do, especially down the stretch, uh, they have some key contributors that are really chipping in, guys like uh, Caldwell, uh, Caldwell Pope, you know, who the you know, yeah. Lakers are very familiar with. He played with the Lakers as well. But Murray, man, I mean, he's just been, he's been tough. And they can't really do anything with him. And at the end of the game, when he needs to make a big shot, he makes it. At the end of the games, when the Lakers need to make a big shot, they don't make it, and that's really been the difference. Close games, Lakers could have easily won really all three games. I don't want to say easily won. Lakers could have won all three games, but to me, it re- reminds me a lot of the San Francisco 49ers early in the 2017 season where you lost five straight games by three or less points. And I remember at that time watching those games and just thinking to myself, the 49ers just aren't quite good enough. They're like two players away from being able to win those kind of games. And that's where I feel like the Lakers are right now. Like in these close games, they're two players away or a player away or a consistent Anthony Davis away from being able to win these close games. And I remember 2017 when the 49ers were kind of having that, then you saw them in the season on a heater, right? Winning five straight games. And I'm like, well, maybe just a little bit better quarterback play from Jimmy Garoppolo and what he did was all they needed. And if you remember back then with Jimmy G, the numbers weren't eye-popping in the sense of touchdowns, interceptions, that that ratio was not great. But he played good football in the sense of moving the sticks, uh, yards per drive, points per drive. You know, all those things were like top of the league, third down conversion rate. So it wasn't like the splashiest or most explosive passing game out there. But what he was doing really resulted in wins. And, you know, we talked a lot about the 49ers and their, you know, where they're at right now with the quarterback position. And OTA start today. I, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Right, but nobody's so going to be there today, though, unfortunately. No media. So no, no reporters? No media, no reporters. Tomorrow they'll only be there for one day. So it, it's right now it's excitement, but there's – there's not gonna be anything. They just you you'll get reports tomorrow. All right. Well, that'd still be cool. Have yeah. you ever thought about? And I know you live on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing what you you love doing, which is, you know, talking about 49ers. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about trying to become a credential member? Funny that you asked that. So, whatever. I'll put it out here. This past weekend, right? You know, coming off the heels of, uh, you know being able to reach out to Matt Mayoko, get him to to have a conversation with me, which was something that was a little bit, you know, surprising. You know, he's a, he's a great guy, man. He, he said, yeah, I remember speaking with you at the combine. 
started to feel a little confident, right? So, like, I've got the Jaya Brown interview. You know, I, I have the, the Tart interview. I've got May, Mayoko. I've, I've got um, plenty of work under my belt, right? Like, interviewing players, interviewing people, um, you know, speaking to John Lynch at the press conference. I wrote an email this weekend. And and I asked about that. Yeah, that's it. I mean, what's the worst they could say is no. You well, know, hold on. I, I got a question. When you took your shot, yeah. did you say Kobe or did you yeah. say whatever the new kid I said? I said Jamal Murray. Oh, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I mean, I, I, sent, <laughs> I sent it in with uh, with with everything that I've I've done. You know, a body of work. Um, formally introducing myself, very polite, you know, um, letting them know, you know, this is what I've done. This is what I've been able to accomplish. I understand that it's tough to, you know, to to make everything happen for everybody. But this is something I'd like confident to, you know, like I, I belong, like I belong. You should, you know, at least consider it. But I shot my shot this weekend. We're still waiting back. You know, when you do it on the weekend, can't expect people to get back to you. But it's Monday and it's only seven o'clock on the West Coast. So we'll find out. So let's say it comes back. With what I expect is, you are credentialed. All right. Wow. So man, thank you. Uh -huh. What What then? Do you just say? All uh, right. Is it a training camp thing? Is it a regular season thing that you're trying to do? You know, like what? So then? I asked for I asked for training camp, which and I asked on a trial basis. Like, let's see how it goes, right? Like, I'll show you what I'm able to do. You know, I'm going to show you how I conduct myself in in press conferences and and around the team and around personnel, and then from there. If it's separate games, you know, that of my choosing, because I can't, you know, be out there the entire time, right? I got to be here for my daughter. Then it would be on a case-by-case -case study. So, for instance, week one in Pittsburgh, right? If all of this goes right with everything, then I would talk to them about being credentialed in Pittsburgh and being in the press box in, in Pittsburgh um, to, to try to cover that game as well, too. So it's a step-by-step -step process. You got to crawl before you walk. You also want to make sure that you don't overstep. And you also want to make sure that you're confident. Because, you know, you do feel like you belong. It shouldn't just be timid, like, oh, you know, hopefully if you can. No, like, I, I, I feel like I put in a lot of work. I feel like I've been, I've been doing this for a while that, that I feel like it's time. It's taken me two, three years to even muster this up. And, and I think that right now I'm, I'm in a good place where I can at least present a good case. Definitely, man. And, and fingers crossed, hoping you get that. Peacock sure. and I, I think we are going to try to get credential for training camp. You know, and obviously nice. in the past I've been – uh, credential that was with, and I said on the other, on another episode of this, I said Rob Lang, but it's actually Bob Lang. So Bob Lang, but Bob Lang, mm -hmm. you know, and he went to Philly. So and then he's Philly, newer uh, person in there now. So we're gonna see Corey if we Rush. get credential, but they shy away from podcasters. They you do, know? they do. If, if well, you write like, so that that helps you a lot. You know, that's you know, that's the thing is I went under Niners Nation and I sent articles right and everything like the the podcasters that they that they um that they credential are Haberman and Middlecoff. Like those guys are in like at any time that they want, but they don't go every day, but they're yeah. there. They're there as press. But that's the thing is I didn't apply under like the podcasting thing. I showed, you know, I've got this Jair Brown um, interview, you know, I've got this and this and this and, and all these articles. So I write. And, and that's the thing is Niners Nation, KP is the only one and Jordan uh, are the only two that really have been credentialed for any sort of training kit. So I tried to, to get in under that as opposed to like, yeah, I, I had this podcast. Yeah, ho ho hopefully uh, Peacock and I can can kind of weasel Fingers our way in there in the <laughs> camp, and then I'll, so I'll just spend my time out in California. All right, but uh, we got people in the chat right now. Again, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, all that good stuff. Thank you all for being able to join us this morning. And you know, we always do a mental health check, make sure everybody's feeling good. Get the got the flames going in here. 
No, everybody came in with the flames. Good job. There we go. Niner Gaming, uh, Patabo Hammer. I hope I'm saying that right. Mr. Olight, I hope I'm saying that right. All right, 49ers Chanel. Let's go, everybody that's uh, feeling good this morning. I woke up. I had a good workout after really kind of BSing this entire weekend. All right, so let's get into it, man. We're talking San Francisco 49ers fantasy football. And again, if you don't already, Underdog Fantasy, promo code Croc. You got best ball uh, format there. They do an amazing job with all that fun stuff there. But let's get into it. There was a discussion a couple years ago. And it was Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel as it pertains to fantasy football. And this was coming off the heels of Brandon Ayuk having pretty much, a, uh, I don't want to say a breakout season, but he had a good rookie year. And people were expecting him to take that next step, not knowing Kyle Shanahan had other plans. And if guys were healthier, Kyle was not even going to play Brandon Ayuk to the extent that he did as a rookie, which is kind of really wild to me. But whatever, Kyle does his thing, and the 49ers win a lot of games. All right, but I was telling people, like, dude, Debo Samuel is the guy that you should be looking to draft because he's going to get all the touches. They find a bunch of different ways to get the ball in his hands, whether it's running the ball, pass catching. You know what he can do uh, as a runner. I mean, they do all kinds of different things with him, and he scores touchdowns. And then he had an explosive year, so he made me look like I knew what I was talking about, having 14 touchdowns, almost 1,800 yards total offense, and then obviously killing it in the playoffs. But now – I don't know exactly what to expect. Is it going to be one of those things again where because last year, Debo Samuel kind of really liked that Brandon Naughty rookie year. Debo dealt with the injuries. I think he only played six games at that time. But last year, Debo missed, what, four games. Ayuk played every single game. So Ayuk ended up leading the team in targets and receptions and yardage all right, for the first time in his career. And also eight touchdowns. Obviously, Debo Samuel took a step back. Only two touchdowns as a receiver on the season. So, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, what are you expecting from those guys? And is there one guy that you lean more towards in fantasy football? And if it was up to you, would you draft Ayuk first or Debo first? I want to hear your thoughts. So it's funny. The thing is, when you look at when you look at the way their ADPs went, right? So Brandon Ayuk's rookie year with Debo Samuel coming off of 2019, it was Samuel, then Ayuk. Well, Samuel's injured, and then Ayuk performs, and then the next year, it flips again, right? And then Debo breaks out and has a historic season. And the, the way that I knew Debo was going to pop off was training camp, right? Being at training camp is probably one of your best indicators. Debo crushed it at training camp. I told everybody, Ayuk's going too high. I'm good with taking Debo. Debo's going to break out. Boom. Like you said, we look smart. We look real smart. The next year, Everybody's in on Debo and Ayuk drops. And that's when Ayuk breaks out in training camp. So I'm looking at this and I say, give me Ayuk this year and as opposed to Debo. Look, right now at 33 on Underdog, right? He's going at 33.8 ADP. Um, shout out to Underdog Fantasy, all the, by the way, uh, promo code Aponte too, if not Crocky. Um, <laughs> but he's projected for 190 PPR points right now, okay? But I want to I name some of the people I want to name some of the people that are ahead of him and where you would be looking to draft them. T. Higgins, 25, and then D.K. Metcalf, 29. Give me both those guys over Debo Samuel. Now, when you're talking about Brandon Ayuk, his value at draft pick number 62, 62.2, and it, it, they haven't projected for 6.5 less PPR points than, Brent, than Debo Samuel. 
Your biggest concern is that Christian McCaffrey now limits Debo Samuel. You're not getting those those um, rushing touchdowns. You're not getting him handing off the ball that much. And the injuries. I mean, can you really bank on Debo Samuel being there all year? I don't want to try to draft him at that spot. If you're telling me that it's between T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, give me both of those guys ahead of Debo, unfortunately. And then there's an interesting discussion afterwards, Croc. Calvin Ridley coming back from Jacksonville to Jacksonville, right? Hasn't played football in a while. Amari Cooper with a full season now with Deshaun Watson. And then Christian Watson, who is going to be there with Jordan Love. Now, in that case, you know, when you're looking at those, I might lean Calvin Ridley just because of how special I think he is and where Trevor Lawrence is going to be. But Debo Samuel's injury concerns. Here's here's one that I'm going to throw to you. DJ Moore, who is going to be a target hog in Chicago, right? You know I love DJ Moore. 42, 33 for Debo Samuel, right? They've got Debo Samuel projected for 190, and they've got DJ Moore 190.9. I think that there's much more upside with DJ Moore, especially if Justin Fields takes a leap. So, again, it's not about the player. When we're talking about this, we're not downplaying the player. I'm not telling you one player is better than the other. We are talking. There's good football players who don't produce their fantasy. There's football players who aren't as good, who have a bunch of opportunity, and they produce. That's what you always have to keep in mind when you're talking about fantasy. Don't get wrapped up in who you think is the better player all the time. It should be a part of your process. But we're talking about like upside here. I gotta lean a little bit more DJ Moore at this point at 42 at a value, 43 um, on on um, underdog. That's where I'm looking at it. They've even got Amari Cooper almost 200 PPR points. It's the injury concerns that keep me away from Debo Samuel and drafting him. I'll always take um, I'll always take uh, Brandon Ayuk later on in this draft. Who's under got he's sandwiched in between Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and I would take Ayuk over both those guys. And where, where's that at? It's uh 59 uh 59.1 um ADP for Chris Godwin, 62.2 for Ayuk, 65.5 for Mike Evans. Everyone's afraid of their quarterback situation at this point. Like this might be the one year that Mike Evans doesn't get a thousand yards somehow because of Baker Mayfield and because of maybe Kyle Trask. So you have it, Baker Mayfield? Yeah. Tampa? I was yeah. one I you know, and again, some things get lost, especially during the free agency period. You know, there was a lot going on. We were really focused on the 49ers. And I'd see signings here and there. But Baker Mayfield was one that slipped through the cracks. And I was wondering like who the hell is Tampa Bay's quarterback? So it's Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Not ideal. So it's Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. (laughs) So again, like when you're looking at it, there's guys with higher upside later on. You got Drake London, right? Like at at 48, 182. Keenan Allen, who everybody keeps sleeping on at 49. Like these are guys that I would prefer to have later in the draft than to use capital like that on uh, Debo Samuel at 33, in my in my opinion. Gotcha. And that's a full almost what three rounds later that Brandon Ayuk is gone. Yeah, and that's from a value standpoint, I. Go that route for sure. That's it more than anything. It's 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 more about roster construction. Like you're at, if you're at the edge of your your turn, right? Like you can get yourself a, an elite wide receiver. Like let's just say you can get yourself a Stefan Diggs and like a Travis Kelsey, like at the edge to start your draft. And then you can start looking for a running back later on. It's all about how you're building your team, man. If you go RB heavy and you wanna you wanna have a guy that you think is steady, that I, I might be able to come around to it, but just Debo's injuries scare me. And he's only had one season where he's played all of those games. And that was a historic season. And the reason that it's historic is because nobody's ever done that. And, and it doesn't it means that things aren't going to happen like that again. So um, 33 feels okay. 
but there's guys with with more upside in my opinion. All right, so I have a question with Brandon Ayuk. All right, and do you think that he can continue to be consistent? Because you look at his targets, and it gets really mm -hmm. weird. And now, mm -hmm. is this a Kyle Shanahan thing? And we're talking about Debo Samuel. We're talking about Brandon Ayuk. Is it Kyle Shanahan that we don't trust to consistently get guys the ball? The reason why I ask this is because I'm looking at the targets for Brandon Ayuk. And it's very up and down. You do have some other names, right, about the like high, kind of high-level guys, Stephon Diggs, guys like that. You know Stephon Diggs is going to get his double-digit targets per game. I look at Brandon Ayuk, and I see, okay, 11 there, 11 there, 12 there. He had three games with double-digit targets. That's and not Debo didn't really... play in those games. You said what? D and, Debo and, didn't play in those games. And Debo didn't even play in those games, right? So outside of that, it's very hit and miss with the amount of targets that he's going to get. I look at the game against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brandon Ayuk had three targets, two catches, and they had a touchdown, so that helps you fantasy-wise, but just the volume is very hit and miss for him. The next week against Seattle, Brandon Ayuk had four targets, all right? Uh, the last game of the season against Arizona, and I know the 49ers destroyed them, Brandon Ayuk has five targets, and then you go into the playoffs. Five targets against Seattle, Four targets against Dallas, one target against Philly, and we know the quarterback issues, especially in the second half there. But can we trust Kyle Shanahan to say, you know what, we're going to make it a focal point to get him to rock? Because Brandon Nayu came out and said something very interesting, and it wasn't like he's this, you know, this disgruntled re receiver. But he's like, look, he's a thousand-yard receiver as the fourth option in an offense. And if that's something that continues, and we're talking about the value of it, but do you just kind of bypass Brandon Ayuk and fantasy all together? I mean, I can see that. I mean, especially when you look at the names around him, you know, like, again, you have uh, Michael Pittman. You got Tyler Lockett, who continues to be someone, even with Jackson, Smith, uh, and Jiba in there. I, like, I, I still think, again, people are going to sleep again on Tyler Lockett, and, and you'll be able to get him. And when you think about Brandon Ayuk, when you think about where he's at, Brandon Ayuk is not your number one receiver. You're grabbing ben, Brandon Ayuk to be the number two, number three receiver. The other thing I want to point out is you, you mentioned the Tampa game. Game script, Croc. The, the 49ers blew them out. That game was over in, like, the, the third quarter. Like, it, it, there's no reason to throw the ball. You have to hope that the games are a little bit more competitive, and that's when the game script is going to come in. But if Debo Samuel, if I'm concerned about his injuries, right, then why wouldn't I take a shot on a guy who's going to be running more routes as another uh, as a higher option, George Kittle misses games. So there may be a game or two, or maybe, you know, God forbid, longer than that. I don't want that to happen, but it's it's a pattern, right? Like it's something that we kind of know about Debo Samuel and George Kittle. They're gonna miss games. Brandon Ayuk doesn't really miss games. And if he's gonna be on the field, then he's gonna have to get the ball no matter what, because of who's who's available at certain points. So again, it's not about oh, I'm telling you to draft Debo Samuel. I'm telling you to draft Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel. I'm telling you that you can pair Brandon Ayuk with a one or two, if you already had, you could have two receivers and have him as your third receiver or your flex, and you can still benefit from those breakout games. And then obviously the one big thing, crack, and this is what we're going to talk about, like with all these pass catchers, who's the quarterback, right? Who's the quarterback, you know, like, I think that's going to impact things until we know that that's why it's fun to talk about this on May 22nd. We don't know who the quarterback is. We're only going on speculation right now. And all of these ADPs are going to change once OTAs happen, once people got guys get healthy, once you start to see. Like, if Purdy's ready to roll week one, um, 
that completely changes the dynamic of where I view all these guys. You know, right now I'm operating under the right now assumption that Brock Purdy hasn't been cleared and it's just, it's either Trey Lance or Sam Donald. Gotcha. All right. Now, one uh, last thing on Brandon Now, you one game over 100 yards last year. Mm-hmm. Had a bunch of 80 yard games, only one game. And you look at kind of the receivers that are going higher again. I understand where he's at in the pecking order as far as the 49ers offense. But uh, from a fantasy standpoint, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would like to see that number get up. Another guy who only had one 100-yard game is George Kittle. Mm-hmm. I mean, who? if I would have asked the chat before, like, hey, how many 100-yard games did George Kittle have last season? I'm pretty sure most people would say, oh, yeah, about three or four. He had one game, and that was against Washington, had some big uh, run-after-catch opportunities there, caught the touchdown down the field, 120 receiving yards. That's it. And I think when we look at uh, George Kittle, Especially with Brock Purdy, because what do we hear a lot of? Like, oh, George Kittle has come alive under Brock Purdy, and now you know he's back, and he kind of found his groove. He found his groove from a touchdown perspective, mm-hmm. but not from a yardage perspective. So kind of some of his numbers with Brock Purdy as the starter, okay, or playing a lot of the game. Miami, three targets, 22 yards. Tampa Bay, five targets, 28 yards on four receptions. All right, then he had a big game against Seattle and Washington, where it's like, oh, he's finding his groove, right? Uh, 93 yards, 120 yards. And then the last two games to close out the season, he's, the targets were there, but they just weren't quite co- connecting, or at least for any explosive plays. 23 yards against Las Vegas in a really close game, and then 29 yards against Arizona. Then you get into the playoffs against Seattle, two targets in the entire game. Then you played Dallas, five targets, had a big game, 95 yards, and then Philadelphia, we understand what happened there, uh, 32 yards on four targets. But I think a lot of people kind of blew out of proportion the resurgence of George Kittle. But from a fantasy standpoint, the touchdowns were up a lot. So Seattle, two touchdowns. Washington, two touchdowns. Las Vegas, one touchdown. Arizona, two touchdowns. And that really helped put him over uh, 10-plus touchdowns on the season. It ended the season with 11. That's a career high for him. What is he kind of ranked in the sense of the tight ends and where you should draft George Kittle? Because in our head, top tight end in the league, one of the best. But the targets and the numbers don't quite reflect that. That's the case of touchdowns masking everything, right? When when you look at overall points per season, I don't feel like that's the way to judge a player's season. Right. Because you could have 50 points in one game and then two in the other. And then you've got 52 in two. And and technically you're averaging 26 in, in the two. Right. Like if you break it down like that. So this was touchdowns. And this is the first time you saw George Kittle come alive with touchdowns. And that's really what saved him outside of it being a PPR option. Right. This year. Right now, he's 54.1 uh, ADP, 53 around there um, projected for 140.2. <sighs> he needs Brock Purdy. He needs Brock Purdy, right? Because even his best buddy, Jimmy Garoppolo, couldn't get him 10 tutties. Like, it, it, it's just, it's something between him and Purdy. He needs Brock Purdy. Now, again, we're talking about May 22nd. Now, I'm operating under the assumption, not the assumption, I'm, oper- I'm operating in the reality that Brock Purdy is not cleared to play. He's just not. So it may be Trey Lance or Sam Darnold. In that regard, early on in the season. And I would need to get some full confirmation that Brock Purdy is going to play early in the season, if not week one, before I invest in George Kittle because everybody's going to look at the end of the season and say, I want a piece of that. 
but it has to do with it has to do with Brock Purdy. I have a controversial take. Give me TJ Hawkinson from, from Minnesota over George Kittle right now at this point. When you look at what Hawkinson did, it wasn't necessarily glaring. See, this is this is the thing. You talk about targets, right? Six targets a game in, in uh, Detroit, eight in Minnesota. He blew up in week 15 um, against the New York Giants. I think he had like 16 targets or something like that. You look at them taking away Adam Thielen. He's got another uh, uh, year in this offense. His targets are there. So when you look at opportunity and we're talking about targets and you're nervous about George Kittle's targets, right? So it sounds like right now what we're depending on is him trying to hit that touchdown target again. I'm going to take the guy that has the opportunity and the volume, right? Like Kirk Cousins is going to play. Sure. Kirk Cousins is going to poop his pants in certain games and you're going to have to deal with that, you know, from week to week, right? Because he, as he goes, the offense goes, because that affects Justin Jefferson, all of those guys. But in terms of a guy in his prime, who's going to see six to eight targets per game easily. And I know they just added Jordan Addison, who I'm very big on, by the way. He's a he's a guy that I would like to have on my roster later on because I think him and Jefferson are going to make an amazing duo. When you look at their running back situation, they're trying to get away from Dalvin Cook. That might mean it's Alexander Madison. You know, is that going to be the same thing? We've seen Madison in spot starts when he plays. He's he's produces. But for me, I'm going to I'm going to lean TJ Hawkinson until I hear some really good things about Brock Purdy. Um, but we're not drafting on May 22nd. We're just talking about it right now. At right. This point. Now, you also have other tight ends like Darren Waller. Like, do you expect him to have this big resurgence over in New York and be more of a priority of the offense? Be able to stay healthy, be able to stay on the field, connect with a guy named Daniel Jones at the quarterback position. And if he can, is that a guy that you would also take over George Kittle? Well, later on, I mean, that might be somebody that I'm thinking about. Like uh, the guys that I would target later on that that I'm looking at is Evan Ingram, the guy that I really am big on, um, who you can get much later, who I think is going to be a breakout guy, Dalton Kincaid. Mm. When you look at the way that Buffalo utilized Dawson Knox and put him in the slot, I believe more in Kincaid than I do Knox. So, again, when you're building your roster, if you want to go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, running back, running back, running back, like you could really load out those guys and then wait for a Kincaid um, later on who has a good split in the slot, who's a very good um, route runner, who's a very good uh, like receiver overall. And then you look at Josh Allen, right? Gabe Davis was somebody that everybody thought was going to pop off. He was very boomer bust. It's really just Stefan Diggs that you're like set to. But I would I would really look at a guy like Dalton Kincaid later on. He's one one fifteen ADP. That is great value. That's what's so again. It's not about who's the better player. It's not about who's on the better team. It's about the value. If you invest high draft capital in George Kittle, you're probably missing out on a receiver or a running back that could be somebody who can help you out. And and that's the thing. It's like it depends on how you've been building your roster. So I do like. Dalton Kincaid at 116, even if they've got him at a nice number of 69 uh, PPR points. I think he blows that out the water. All right, so the, the 49ers now have this interesting dynamic at the running back position. Elijah Mitchell had a lot of uh, expectations, I would say, heading into the 2022 season, and he gets hurt in the first game. In the first half of the game. Doesn't finish that. Comes back later in the year, and it looks like he played a total of – he just didn't play a whole lot of games. What, five games? Yeah. Golly. Five regular season games, and he played in the playoffs as well. But then you trade for Christian McCaffrey. And there was this interesting kind of dynamic between the two guys 
once Elijah Mitchell was back and you had CMC and you had Christian McCaffrey, or excuse me, Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, where Elijah Mitchell was getting sometimes more carries or more yards rushing, but then obviously there's a receiver dynamic of it as well. So Christian McCaffrey, let's start with him. How high is he going to go? Because it seemed like a lot of the offense ran through him, but then again, there was that interesting dynamic when Mitchell was actually healthy where they were running him and maybe some some games he was getting even more carries than Christian McCaffrey. I mean, uh, people are going to take Christian McCaffrey, number one, no matter what draft you're in, most likely. People are not going to try to miss out on that, especially when you look at the way that he performed in the offense. Now, the crux of that is, I hate to say it, he played every game last year, but he looked like that guy again that everybody usually drafts at 101, right? So... I'm not as worried about the the whole, you know, is he going to get carries? In the red zone, it's going to be him. Um, in certain games, if Debo Samuel's injured, they're going to throw the ball more to him. Everything does run through him. I look at the investment the 49ers made in keeping him around for two years. He's not there to be used sparingly, right? Like, they're going to use him. What I feel that they were doing down the stretch was, and a lot of people forget, is while McCaffrey played, he was dealing with stuff, right? Like he was dealing with that 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 calf injury, he had it wrapped up, and he would come. It, they they had the luxury of Elijah Mitchell, and they were so confident. Remember that they shipped off Jeff Wilson, right? Like for a pick. So for me, when you look at the investment, you look at the opportunities. I would take a bet on anybody with anybody that Christian McCaffrey doesn't play seventeen games this year. Not that he's going to miss a bunch of games, but I don't think he's going to play all seventeen. I just think that that's in the range of possibilities, but. Right now, his ADP is 3-3. I'll tell you who's the safest number one overall pick in this draft. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, hands down, safest. Because he still has a little bit more in target share that'll go up, right? You can't expect Jordan Addison to, to hog all that up. Adam Thielen just left. And he has positive touchdown regression coming. He still could have scored more touchdowns last year, as great as he was. And he finished as the number one receiver. There's still meat on the bone, pause. Like there, like there, there is still. St- <laughs> you know you ain't getting me. You know you're not gonna get yeah, me. With I didn't know what's coming. I was ready. <laughs> um, I I 100% think that the safest is Justin Jefferson. But a lot of people in your draft, when you're drafting with your homies or you're drafting, you know, you know, with your family, whatever it is, Christian McCaffrey's probably gonna be the number one pick, which isn't so bad. But I I like a little bit of safety with my number one pick, so I might lean Justin Jefferson this year. I like it. I like it. Justin Jefferson, the receiver, number one overall, huh? Mm-hmm. So we gotta do it. We gotta do a best ball league for sure. Hell yeah, let's do it. I mean, right now, look, and and look, this isn't just me. ADP on underdog, number one, Justin Jefferson. Wow. Yep. So I I don't know if the chat agrees with him on Justin Jefferson going number one overall in fantasy ADP, but I will say this. We are going to have a best ball league. So right now, if you want to get in on that, all right, be ready to go. Be ready. Don't start scrambling because once we put the link out, tell them how the link works. You put the link out, as soon as the league is filled. As long as it fills, boom, the timer starts. About it. Yep, it all randomizes. Right. I just did one. I just did one. And, and this is probably why I'm saying that. I just did one where I jumped in. It filled. I got the first pick. I took Justin Jefferson. Okay. I, I took Justin Jefferson. Just, again, number one wide receiver, and there's still more for him to do. He still can get more targets. He can still – and he still should score more t- – I would put a bet out that he scores more touchdowns this year than he did last year, which will only help. He's the best in the league. He's the safest. And and Kirk Cousins is going to play all 17 games. He does not get hurt. Mm. 
All right, so the 49ers at the quarterback position obviously have a dilemma, and I know you're kind of erring on the side of kind of caution with, hey, I don't know who's going to start the season off, but at some point we do know or we assume that Brock Purdy will start. So Brock Purdy, fantasy football, where is he kind of going as it pertains to other quarterbacks around the league? Because you look at his numbers and terrific. Two touchdowns, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, three touchdowns, and then zero touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys, but also uh, contributed with a couple of rushing touchdowns between the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, this is a guy that was really good in the red zone. I think Kyle Shanahan did a really good job of allowing him to utilize his mobility and get some touchdowns that way, some off-script stuff. We talked about George Kittle and his uptick in touchdown catches once Brock Purdy took over, and a lot of them were kind of like, hey, I'm finding this guy late in the down, and I'm getting him the ball and fi just figuring it out. All right, so quarterbacks, I know these guys typically go a little bit later, but is Brock Purdy potentially your QB1? Now, now best ball doesn't matter. All right, you, mm -hmm. you draft him, you just have him on the team, and if he plays the best that week, then that's your number one quarterback. But in a regular <laughs> fantasy league, is Brock Purdy a guy that you are thinking should be your starting guy or a high-level kind of like priority uh, number two? Well, when you're looking at one-quarterback leagues, I always wait. I always wait on one-quarterback leagues unless there's value screaming you right in the face. Like a lot of people for some reason are just off of Lamar Jackson, and it's just like, dude, I mean, there's no way that he can be – he wasn't poor last year, but a lot of people drafted him high. So remember, watch the influx in ADP. Right. A lot of people last year ran the Lamar Jackson. It didn't work out. And you you didn't draft you what you drafted, you didn't get the production. But Lamar Jackson is gonna fall in this draft because of last year, and you're gonna wind up getting a steal. So watch how the draft goes. If you're if you're talking about building out your team and you're just like me, and if it's a one quarterback league, I tend to wait, right? I can wait for a, a Brock Purdy, but you have to we have to know something about his 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 injury. Is he going to play week one? When is he going to play? And if he is, let's say, God forbid, not going to play whatever the first four weeks, then you don't have to draft them. You can just sit around and wait, right? Like you can draft someone else. You can use them for four weeks. Or you could do what a lot of people do in, in fantasy is draft like a quarterback that you're going to play and play the week-to-week -week game. Like some weeks, Derek Carr will have a matchup that you, you can't deny, right, against a horrible offense. You pick him up, drop him. You know, you can do that week-to-week, -week, right? So with Brock Purdy, we've got to know a little bit more about his – uh his actual injury, but Brock Purdy is going to exceed wherever he gets drafted just because of what we've seen in this offense, right? Like, I don't like drafting guys at their ceiling um, at times. I just told you to draft Justin Jefferson at one, but I still think Justin Jefferson is going to improve from last year. Um, Brock Purdy is somebody who's going to like blow out his ceiling, you know, and again, we just have to figure out where he's at. So yeah, I don't mind waiting for him. If it's between like him, like Daniel Jones, like those guys, you know, you probably roll Daniel Jones because of the rushing, um, and again, that's something that's going to be there for you, you know, when you think about quarterbacks, but like, for instance, somebody like Anthony Richardson, right. Who's never played football, but he has that rushing floor. And do you lean to something like that? Because that's a cheat code. You could watch Justin Fields not throw the ball well, but he ends up as like the number two, number three quarterback because of the rushing floor. It's a little bit of a cheating when it comes to that. So it depends on who's there. Um, Anthony Richardson, Brian Purdy, it depends on how Purdy is going to be you know, evaluated with his injury, but it's more about the weighted risk. Like if it's, if it's a late round pick, it's fine because then you can always find somebody on the, on waivers and quarterbacks get injured all the time. 
right? Like if, if a quarterback gets injured, someone else is starting, someone else becomes a starter, all those things. Two Q and exactly Lee's right. Two QB leagues, super flex is the way to go, man. That that makes quarterbacks much more important. They're the most important player on the field in real football. Why not make them the most important in fantasy football? Uh super flex is the wave of the future, guys. You guys gotta hop on that. I see Fear the the Great in the chat, and he says Dak is a good late rounder as well. He is. Uh, Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy? Prescott. I mean, Prescott, uh, right now, Prescott's ADP is 92, but I got him at pick 96 um, in his best ball draft that I just did. That's great value right there. Um, and then when you're talking about in best ball, you know, underdog fantasy, what you guys should be looking to do is, is stack. So if you're drafting, let's say, like, I took J.J., Right. I was waiting for Kirk Cousins to hop around because if Justin Jefferson pops off, then that means Kirk Cousins popped off. Right. So you kind of you kind of want to stack those guys. But, yeah, Dak Prescott at 92, getting him at 96, that's a great value. And then the same thing, I got Daniel Jones at 120. He's he's ADP 103. Those are great value picks right yeah. there. Like you, you you're getting them much later on. So and in best ball, again, like if you guys don't know, you just have them on your team and whoever pops off the most is your lineup. Like you don't have to set the lineup. That's the best part about best ball. Love best ball format. Didn't know what it was until I got involved with Underdog Fantasy. So, again, if y'all want to get in, we're going to do some leagues. We're going to do all kind of fun stuff with Underdog Fantasy. We might have a, a, a eight-team league, 10-team league, 12, and all you do is draft, and then you sit. And the guys that do the best at their positions for you will be the guys that automatically start in the best ball format. So, uh, really fun. If you guys want to get in on that, don't wait. Download the app right now or go to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code Crocky or Aponte. And uh, they'll match your deposit up to $100. So if you put in $100, they'll match in $100. If you put in $50, they'll match that $50. If you put in $300, they still will only give you $100. All right, so uh, Underdog Fantasy, promo code Crocky, go do that right now. So you'll be ready because, again, once we put that link out there, the, it fills up. And a lot of people have yeah. Underdog Fantasy now, so it fills up quick. People jumping in, and uh, you'll miss out. All right, so go do that right now so you're ready whenever we upload that link. Right, we got a couple of questions here. One from Double B Studio, and he says, "Team's identity will be if Sam Darnold starts versus Trey." I think he's asking, "What would the 49ers team identity be?" Uh, this is the hardest part, right? At least with Brock Purdy, we know. Hey, we've got this sample size, and we know what we're looking at. With Trey, this is the thing. This is what would make me a little bit more hesitant. Like, let's just say, for instance, Trey is the starter, right? Um. You're obviously going to see more running, not from him. The 49ers are just going to run, 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 run the ball, right, with Trey? Um, just because they want to limit his passing right now unless they feel that he's, like, progressed somewhere, which scares me now about Kittle, Ayuk. Maybe not Debo, you know? I mean, it, it would scare me about that because when you look at how many times they're going to run the ball, how many times they're going to throw the ball, I'd probably lean way more run, even if that's the case when Brock's there as well, too. But Sam Darnold, I think they'd be more inclined to let him throw the ball for better or worse. And we don't have to get into that discussion because I'm I'm just so tired of it. Let's just like wait for this to play out. <laughs> but it, it's it's that's what that's the thing. That's why it's funny on, on May 22nd to talk about fantasy players right now because the quarterback situation is still not nailed down because we have no sort of like training camp reports of how they looked or how they look in the offense. Right now, all we're doing is we're just going off hypotheticals. That's why you know coming back to this conversation. If we're talking about when you guys are going to be drafting in whatever it is, late August, early September, whenever it is, 
it's going to be completely different. <laughs> we might be we might be like completely changing our tune. Brock Purdy's ready to go week one, and I'm all in on George Kittle. You make sure you go ahead and grab him. Like I, I love Ayuki. He's going to rise up ADP. It's all going. All these values are going to change. The values right now are where they are because we don't know who the 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 quarterback is, and I think that's what makes this this conversation so fun. All right, then I have one more question for you uh, before I let you yeah. get out of here. All right, and um, we got my guy Damien here at Dickerson. He says, Niners quarterbacks are not fantasy QBs. Uh, the stats are just, they're just not there. And, and when he says that, that's just from a priority standpoint, you'll probably prioritize mm -hmm. Justin Fields who over mm -hmm. 49ers quarterbacks because not only will he give you some passing stats, which probably won't be crazy, but the rushing, rushing numbers are there as well. The touchdowns are probably going to be there as well. So you might kind of prioritize someone like that over uh, Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, a, a uh, Sam Donald. Um, one of yeah. Like that's the thing is like, you're looking at the top 10 right now and on fantasy pros, it's, it's Mahomes, Allen, Jalen hurts. That's tier one. You got Burrow, Lamar, Justin Fields, Herbert Lawrence. I'm not, I'm not as big on Herbert at, at this point right now, just because he's, that offense is great. They're going to win games because they're good, but it's just fantasy. Um, Dak Watson, Tua, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff. Um, yeah, like if you're taking a 49ers quarterback, you've completely punted on a position, right? Like you, you're 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 making sure that you have as many wide receivers, um, you're you're many running backs as you can, and you're just punting on a position, you're pretty much gonna go week to week. So I I don't like to to take them like I would spot start Jimmy Garoppolo, pick him up off waivers, right? Like, you know, again, like Remember when we were in we were in the two quarterback league, right? Um, that 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 I did, um, Croc, the one that that we did on Sleeper. Um, I watched everybody go reach up for quarterbacks, and what did it do? It left so many wide receivers and running backs on the board that I was like, I'm not gonna reach for a quarterback because you guys are. I'm gonna load every like the 49ers. I'm gonna load out this roster, right? Got Justin Jefferson, got uh, Kelsey, got Kittle, got uh, Austin Eckler, all these guys, right, in that year. And I'm going to load this roster out, and then I'm going to take at the end Derek Carr and, and uh, you know, like Jimmy G and hold on. Like, I need baseline production. It's about how you load. If you're loaded, if you're loaded, I've got the number one wide receiver, the number one running back, the number one tight end. I'm loaded. I don't need to reach for quarterback. So it's how your board goes. In two quarterback leagues, everybody's going to reach for quarterbacks. If you have your roster and it's loaded out, this is how the 49ers are trying to win a Super Bowl. If you have your 40, if you have your team loaded, and then you go and you just grab baseline quarterbacks at the end, you're doing it right because you're getting value. It's not everybody wants Mahomes. All right, draft Mahomes in the first round, but miss out on Travis Kelsey. And the discrepancy between the top quarterbacks. And the middle tier quarterbacks is not nearly as large as Travis Kelsey in the middle or Justin Jefferson in the middle, like or or like even Christian McCaffrey in the middle. Like, that's the thing is in one quarterback leagues, you have to prioritize value. But if you're watching everybody run and jump and draft quarterbacks, let them you got you when they zig, you zag. You take the best player on the board and you load your team out. So quarterback doesn't become something that you need to rely on because if quarterback does bust that week, you invested so high, probably bust your whole week because you are looking to Mahomes to be 30 every week, 30 every week. And two years ago, he wasn't that. Last year, he he, he got closer to that. So, uh, 
before we get out of here, I do have uh, one question for you. And mm -hmm. it is, do you think, I've seen this floating around on Twitter, and it's pertaining to Brock Purdy being a dink and dunk quarterback, <sighs> kind of whatever that is. But I don't want to ask so much on Brock Purdy. I want to ask you about Kyle Shanahan, because I uh -huh. saw this in the chat. Do you think Kyle Shanahan is a dink and dunk coach? No, Kyle, um, Kyle is a, a rigid coach, meaning this is where the ball's supposed to go because I'm looking at the defense, right? This is where it goes, whether that's a two-yard, whatever, whatever. This is where it's supposed to go because I've designed this play to beat this coverage. So it's not so much dink and dunk, but it's almost like Kyle is telling them this is where the ball goes. This is, And that's kind of where I feel that I feel a little bit for Jimmy Garoppolo, right? In the beginning when Jimmy Garoppolo was, was out there running around in 2017, just learning the offense, kind of playing free, even if he was making mistakes, it felt like he was looking through the defenses and getting to the, 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 the throws that he saw develop. When he was there after that, it felt like Kyle was like, hey, man, this is where it's going to be, and this is where you got to throw the ball. And sometimes that would lock Jimmy onto, onto the, the target, and sometimes it would force him to throw the ball, and you're just like, what are you doing? Um, so I do think that Kyle's just a bit rigid in like, hey, I designed this play. This is the defense. This is where he's going to be open. This is when you got to hit him with it. And sometimes that's just a two-yard throw. Sometimes that's a 30-yard throw. It depends. But it's really – it's less about thinking Duncan, more about just Kyle knows what he wants, and Kyle is looking at what he wants. We got Double D B Studio in the chat, and he says, uh, "Should we leave Kyle alone, regardless if Jimmy, uh, regardless if Jimmy does better with the Raiders than he did here, and if Trey ends up a bust?" I, I'll, I'll start off kind of answering. You this. got it. <laughs> to me, Kyle Shanahan is a, he's a great head coach, and I think he does a lot of really good things. He puts his team in positions to win. So, regardless of Trey Lance, or regardless of whatever Jimmy does, I think we've seen that the 49ers are in good hands with whatever Kyle Shanahan kind of has his team does, unless it's Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard out there starting at quarterback. So um, anything outside of that, I'd, I'd expect the 49ers to win a lot of games and it not really matter if Trey's a bus or if Jimmy Garoppolo is over there playing very well with the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the team's loaded. That's the thing, is that is this is their philosophy right now. They're looking at it and they're like, hey, Brock Purdy's not even one of the top 52 cap hits right now. It's just, it's how he is preferring to win the game. They're not into paying a high quarterback because then you lose out on all these other studs at the position. So they're just trying to go against the grain. Everybody else kind of has a, you know, again, Philly did what they did last year because they weren't paying Jalen Hurts anything. Let's see in one or two years when that contract really tolls how they're going to look. And, that, and that's the thing about like everybody wanting elite quarterbacks is you pay them, but you lose something else. And can they mask those deficiencies on offense? Uh, do you think that Kyle Shanahan avoid cornerbacks? And now I'll answer this question. I don't think it's so much that he avoids cornerbacks. I just don't think that his offense and the way that he wants to run it is predicated on targeting guys as much on the outside. Uh, mm -hmm. it, he really likes to put guys in conflict over the middle, linebackers, safeties, uh, what are their weaknesses, how can I attack the rules uh, and do that with a lot of misdirection stuff underneath and then hit guys behind. So uh, we haven't seen the 49ers just say, all right, have this wide open, uh, just drop back passing game. Matter of fact, I think the 49ers have maybe one of the worst drop back passing games in the league. And that could be because of maybe the quarterbacks that they have had or choose to have. Uh, I have Brock Purdy's, and we'll talk about Brock Purdy because he's on the team and we're expecting him to be the starter right now. But here's Brock Purdy's scouting report. All right. Four-year starter who was 
never able to improve upon his stellar sophomore campaign. Purdy is a burly pocket quarterback who needs a play-action-based offense. Kyle Shanahan. Uh, offense where he can rely on timing and release quickness uh, and arm strength. All right, so essentially, hey, man, if he can play-action, timing, rhythm, that's something that Brock Purdy can excel at. Uh, he can be a confident passer when he finds his rhythm, but throwing is more of a chore than a talent. Uh, thanks to a labor release. So basically, doesn't have the most arm talent uh, that you ideally would like. Um, but throwing is more of a chore and talent uh, release. Uh, certain areas of the field will be off limits as he improves, uh, as he moves up to take on NFL coverage talent. Uh, he's a scrappy runner, but not dynamic enough to make up for shortcomings as a passer. So essentially, hey man, this is a guy that, in timing and rhythm, he can play well, but there's certain areas he's not going to attack as much, which is, you know, drive throws probably outside the numbers where the cornerbacks are living. So uh, we've seen that with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we'll continue to see that type of style of play with Brock Purdy. And essentially doesn't mean that he can't be a good quarterback, but, hey, he's going to have to rely on this certain style of play calling for him to be the best version of him that he can be, which, again, uh, makes it to where it feels more like Kyle is avoiding cornerbacks, which I don't think that's the case. Because when you got Julio Jones out there and Matt Ryan, he attacked all levels of the field yeah, you know, just as well. So, And uh, for, for the people asking, like, how is uh, Brock Purdy not one of the top 52 cap hits? He was the last pick in the draft. The, the contract for the last pick in the draft is, like, almost, like, barely – a guaranteed contract. A lot of those guys don't even make the team, let alone become a starter. So that's why the 49ers are lucky that Brock Purdy did what he did because they have a starting quarterback who is on such a small pay scale, small, that it allows them to, to do all those other things. And then a little bit more about Kyle's offense. It's, it's, you hit the nail on the head. It's mismatches. It's not about like, I want to attack the corners. It's like, how do I get the safety to come down to try to to guard Debo Samuel? Or how do I get a linebacker after I moved Brandon Ayuk across to try to guard him? It's all about mismatches and, like you said, putting people in conflict. So it's it's not necessarily that he avoids them. It's Kyle's looking how to attack the weak spots. You're not going to go at Diggs. You're not going to go at, you know, Jair Alexander. You're not going to go at those guys. You're going to find a way to make other guys come down and guard your best players. And that's what's so good about the offense with motion, with uh, all the misdirection, all those things. That's why you find guys wide open because, like you said, put you in a high-low conflict. If if you if you drop down and you want to you want to get the lower guy, cool. There's a guy over your head. You just hope the quarterback can see both and get rid of it. Yeah, and I see some people in the chat like, the, uh, the, the scouts were wrong on Brock Purdy. I actually think they were pretty right on Brock Purdy and his strengths and weaknesses and what he needs to be successful. And he landed in a spot that is able to maximize his ability without needing him to be this super dynamic thrower uh, or explosive passer down the field because the 49ers offense isn't necessarily predicated on that, but they are an offense that can take some shots uh, if schemed up. You know, I don't think it's an offense where you're going to see Brock Purdy just drop back and let it air out down the right sideline, uh, you know, and throwing all these vertically pushing routes that we saw from, like, the – like the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers for all those years, right? Like Ben, ben Roethlisberger, he's just dropped back and just, uh, I'm just going to throw it as far as I can. And I know uh, Antonio Brown is down there somewhere. That's not the 49ers offense, but essentially what this scouting report says Brock needed, 49ers have given him that. And uh, I'd say a lot of this is it's pretty correct, except for maybe the the quickness in the pocket. I think he's shown some good quickness in the pocket. He's, so. he's good. Yeah, he's good with that as well, too. And and again, it's it's about the diagnosing. Like the diagnosing of the plays and everything as well too, and it's 
that that's that's the upgrade that we've seen a little bit from Purdy with Garoppolo is those throws were there. Purdy's actually taking them a little bit further down the yeah. field as as if Garopp- Garoppolo's taking the, the throw that Kyle's telling him to take. Now, Kyle might get mad that Purdy took a throw that he didn't see, but if Purdy sees it wide open, then he should let it go. Right. So that's the little bit of the upgrade. And and I see somebody in the chat. The scouts thought he goes seven and no. No, the scouts don't think anybody's gonna start off seven and no or anything like that. But all it is is, hey, this is how we feel about this player, and it's on the player to kind of overcome some of his shortcomings. And I think Brock Purdy has done a really good job of that. So yeah. no, nowhere on here does it say, hey, this guy will never be good in the NFL, mm-hmm. or maybe it's like, hey, he'll be a good backup or whatever. But you never know what the outcome is going to be. This is just kind of some of the projections. So uh, I think they did a good job just talking about the strengths and weaknesses and kind of the overview of the players. So uh, good stuff there. We got uh, a couple more super chats here. When y'all dropping the best ball link, when you want to drop a best ball link, man? We're the, gonna I, I was I was thinking tonight, but the Lakers play. Like I'm actually going to go watch the game with my with my homie who's a Lakers fan, so I can do both. You know, I'm not emotionally invested. I know you are. That's the problem, Croc. You know, but you got to remember the best ball um, drives, they're 30 seconds each pick. So right. we could we could run through a draft like I did a like when we first started doing best ball drafts for underdog, I did one at a Yankee game. Like it was that quick. Like, you know, like when you're on the clock, especially like when you know me, I had the first pick in this one. You have the first pick, you don't go again until 18 more picks because you're at the end of the draft and then like cause it's snake. Yeah. So I mean, it's up to you, Croc. If you want to do one tonight, you know I'm always down to do some fantasies. So I'm I'm with it. I'll I'll do it. At some point this week, we'll we'll, okay. we'll get that going and we'll we'll drop yeah. down link. And then one now, watch your Lakers. Point. Watch your Lakers today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Light some candles, man. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be watching. I'll be watching. And then last one, Tavares. He says um, he thinks I forgot this, but we did bring this up. Unless yeah. you had another super chat, but we did show this. We talked about it. Uh, so I don't know if you missed it, but we definitely. Unless yeah. there's another one no. that you sent. If Purdy, if Purdy is the quarterback, then then CMC and Kaya, Kittle are our priorities, like straight up. Like if if they're if they're like week one full go, everything's fine. Um, Purdy comes out and he looks like that same guy. If if Purdy is doesn't even improve, which you know that you have to expect improvement, right? From a, from right. year to year, right? Like if if Purdy is even just the guy from last year, um, then yeah, it's CMC and Kittle, and it's easy. It's not even close or anything like that. Now, if he improves, then that's when you're going to see a little bit more of Debo and Ayuk. But CMC and Kittle are prior prioritized immediately if Purdy is the quarterback. And then last, last super chat here, Double B Studio says, Purdy is doing his job and played great within his parameters. Uh, I respect him a lot. All, all I say is Kyle uses dink and dunk to his advantage, and it works. And I would say it, it does work. I still would like to see the 49ers have a better drop back passing game. And they have- yeah, that's it. That's it. I think you hit the nail on the head again with that one. It's not about, like, the shots. The shots are there, but the shots are all play action. Like, in obvious pass, passing situations, like, you know, like, can you be able to drop back? Can you hit third and 15? Can you hit third and 17, right? Like, does that, there's, there's, and, and again, let's to be clear, only really the elite guys are the guys that you really can bank on to get that done, right? Like, that's why they're elite. There's, there's a few elite guys. That's why everybody's like, I want an elite quarterback. Well, they don't grow on trees. That's why there's like five or six of them. And then everybody else kind of has week to week. Well, let's say, right, what, seven, right? What do you think? Elite quarterback, seven? I mean, who would you say is is elite? Mahomes, uh, Josh. Yeah. Um, did Josh have a kind of a down year last year? Okay, he did. Well, he did. But that was for another year. Uh, another. That was that was Ken Dorsey though. I think Ken Dorsey. You know, his offense was 
Well, let Josh run around and just toss it, right? Like at least Dabble, when Dabble was there, Dabble had like some stuff for him to run that that made him much better. So maybe maybe we'll curb that one. Joe Burrow. Yeah. yeah. All right. So so wait. So there's like maybe one elite quarterback then. No, I mean, well, there's tiers of it, right? Right. If, if top tier is like Patrick Mahomes, and he's kind of by himself in the tier of his own. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And then you start going down and. Uh, you know, there are the guys, some of the aging guys, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who mm-hmm. still elite talented, didn't have a great year uh, last season, but, you know, he's still A-Rod, and he can be a drop-back passer if need be. I'm curious to just see what it looks like in New Jersey. I think they have talented weapons there. And then yeah. you have, uh, you talk about Joe Burrow. I think there are some guys that are elite talented quarterbacks, but are they elite Herbert's not elite. That's the, so that's the Herbert. Herbert. I, I think that's Herbert, the Herbert. Yeah. He's like Where, right there. He's on the cusp. Yeah, where I don't know if he's an elite quarterback, but he's definitely an elite, talented quarterback that played in a super high-volume passing uh, offense and, you know, throwing the ball a lot. He's, he's accumulating a lot of numbers. Uh, doesn't equate to wins. I don't. It's hard for me to say, hey, you're an elite quarterback that gave up this 27-point lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? So yeah. uh, how elite is he? I think elite, talented, and he's kind of on that next step. But I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks. No, in the front right now, especially in the. Would you say, would you say Jalen Hurts is the lead off one year? No. Okay. See, that's all right. So maybe we need to like, maybe there's less than seven. Then. Like there, there, there could be less than seven at this point. Like that's how that's. I mean, to the point. Like we don't have to discuss who it is, but that's the point about like 49 fans. Oh, I want an elite quarterback. I want an elite quarterback. Where are they at? How many people have them? You know, like I think that's more of what I was trying to say. Right, and here we go. WB Studio, great show, guys. All love, brothers. And I want to say thank you to my guy, Jason Aponte, for coming on here live, man. And uh, last second, I probably hit you. I was in line dropping my daughter off at school. I was like, Aponte, you want to come on today? Talk some fantasy football. You're like, let's do it. All right. So, again, Underdog Fantasy. Download the app or go to underdogfantasy.com right now. Use promo code Crocky or promo code Aponte. Look out for the link. We'll be dropping that on Twitter, probably on here, where you guys are join a live draft that's gonna be fun maybe we'll do a live draft on the show we'll try to do that maybe later in this week and then maybe another time before the season ends but uh that's gonna do it for this episode and we'll see y'all peace